It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. Here's your host, Steve Moore. Good afternoon, folks. This is the More Money Show on WABC Talk Radio. I am your host, Stephen Moore, economist with the Heritage Foundation. And also, I hope you will all check out our what we call our daily prosperity hotline, which is free. Just go to the Committee to Unleash Prosperity website and get your daily briefing of what's going on with the economy, what's going on with politics. We add a little humor because you've got to make fun of the left, right? And uh, it's free. It costs absolutely nothing. Just go to Committee to Unleash Prosperity, uh, uh, our website, and give us your email, and we will start sending that to you in about three days. And if you like it, I think you will. We'll keep sending it to you. If you don't like it, just unsubscribe. My friend Newt Gingrich, the great speaker, former Speaker of the House, says it's the first thing he reads every morning. So you should be reading it, too. All right. A lot to talk about. I hope everybody's having a wonderful weekend. I have to confess, uh, I am today in beautiful Naples, Florida, where it is 75 degrees and sunny and absolutely gorgeous. And everybody is moving here. It's the most amazing thing. In fact, uh, later in the show, I'm going to have on uh, my friend and entrepreneur, Gary Rabine, who is from Illinois, has built a billion-dollar business uh, in construction and paving. And he's going to explain why it is that people are moving out of blue states like New York and New Jersey and Connecticut, my home state of Illinois, and why they're moving to places like Florida and Texas and Tennessee. And, yeah, weather is part of it, but it's not the only thing. There's a lot of other factors. So I want to start by uh, – talking for just a minute about this story about Kevin O'Leary. You, Many of you probably know Kevin O'Leary as he is the co-host of this show, um, Shark Tank, which is on CNBC, where they grade new uh, companies and they try to determine whether these are the kinds of thing, companies that people should invest in. So he's a, he's a master investor. And he was on CNN the other day and, and lit up a bit of a storm by saying, he said of New York and California and Illinois, he said, those are those states that are uninvestable, uninvestable. He said, you just can't do business in those states anymore because of all of the Democratic uh, anti-business woke policies. And this was on CNN. So the CNN host, you got to watch this on YouTube, folks. Uh, it's an amazing. It's Kevin O'Leary. And he says these things about these blue states. And he's, you know, not a he's not a raving conservative. He's just a businessman. He says, yeah, I don't invest anymore in these blue states. And the CNN host, you could see their jaws drop when he said this. And they said, well, is it just taxes? And he said, no, it's not just taxes. That's not the reason. It's one of the reasons. But he said, it's just a general anti-business um, climate in these states like New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, California, Illinois, Michigan now. Uh, and they're just not friendly places to invest in. So he said, I go to places like Utah. I go to places like Idaho. I invest in places like Florida and Texas and Tennessee. And this is this red state, blue state divide, which I think is one of the most important things that's happening in America today is uh, this outward migration. Uh, you all know who live in New York. Well, let, let me put it. If you combine New York, New Jersey and Connecticut, the tri-state area, those um, states together over the last 10 years have lost somewhere between a million and a half and two million people in just 10 years. That is a million and a half to two million more people left those states than came into those states. And it's not just because of the weather. It is because of bad politics. 
And so I find that just to be a fascinating thing. And the question is now, you know, why is it that people, what is it in particular that people and investors and businessmen and women find so um, hostile about these states? Because you better turn it around or it's not going to be the old joke. What's the old joke? Yeah, last person in New York, please turn off the lights. Let's not, let's hope that doesn't happen, but it's going to require some real reforms. Okay. I want to make sure that we just discussed for a few minutes, and we'll talk about a lot more about this later. The bailouts that's going on this week. This is obviously the big uh, story of the week, and these massive bank bailouts, which I find to be very troubling, folks. I, I Look, I'm a libertarian. I want government to be small. I want it to be efficient. I want it to be cost-effective. I want it to be pro-business. But pro-business doesn't mean bailing out failing businesses. It doesn't mean bailing out failing banks. I am very concerned as a free market guy uh, that we are moving towards a form of governance in America where we are essentially the government has become um, the bailout artist. Any business, any big business, any big business that gets in trouble or any big bank that gets in trouble financially for making bad decisions, the government's going to come in like a fireman and rescue them. Now, that's not capitalism. That's not free markets. That's not the free enterprise system when you have the government providing a safety net. And incidentally, it's unfair because small businesses, which you know, I know a lot of the people, uh, a lot of you listening to this show are small businessmen and women, they're not going to bail you out. They're not going to bail me out. We're not too big to fail. But too big to fail are the big, massive banks, the big, massive businesses, and the people who make donations to both parties. And by the way, I'm not being political here or partisan. Uh, both parties have jumped on this uh, uh, bailout bandwagon. Remember, it happened under George W. Bush when he was president. He bailed out on the banks. Now Biden's doing it. And folks, do not believe for one minute, not one New York minute, that this is not going to cost the taxpayers a dime. Does anybody really believe that? Of course we're going to pay for it. Who else would? The man on the moon? Of course it's going to be the little guy. And I've got to tell you, I am sick and tired of this incestuous relationship between big banks, big business, and big government. It's, it's like they're in, in cahoots, and they're screwing us. They're screwing the little guy. And so I find what's happening in Washington to be quite troubling. Uh, the Federal Reserve Bank just put out some numbers, and we'll talk about this with E.J. and Tony later in the show, that show that the bailout money is now even larger than the bailout money that, um, from the Fed that happened in 2008. So the corporate welfare state is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and I find that to be wholly troublesome. One last point before we go to our break. When you bail out um, banks or businesses that make bad decisions, you run into a problem called the moral hazard problem. And for those of you who are not familiar with that term in economics, a moral hazard is when a governmental policy or a private policy encourages this very kind of bad behavior you're, that you're trying to um, avert and discourage. So in other words, uh, when you Every time a bank makes a bad decision or goes for a you know a, a hail mary pass with an investment, when the pass isn't caught, the hail mary pass isn't caught, uh, the government says, okay, we'll we'll make you whole. 
And so what happens? It encourages that risky behavior. And so you're getting exactly, you're going to get more and more of these situations where banks and businesses make really bad business decisions because why? Uncle Sam, and by, by Uncle Sam, I mean me and you and everybody listening to this show, we're going to pay for it. And that doesn't work for me. And it doesn't work for the American economy. And it's not free enterprise. Uh, we've had a system of deposit insurance in this country since the early 1930s. Uh, because remember, we had bank runs in 1929, which launched the Great Depression. And even as a libertarian, I'm in favor of deposit insurance. But folks, the original um, uh, insurance on deposits were up to $2,500. Now, that was, you know, 75, 80 years ago. So we probably, let's say that we've had, you know, uh, let's say we've had 200, you know, I don't know, even, even no, 10, 10 times that level of inflation um, or even 20 times that inflation. That means still you're, you'd be talking about somewhere near $50,000 in deposit insurance adjusted for inflation. Well, actually, the number is now $250,000. By the way, how many middle-class people have $250,000 in a savings account? I would guess the number is probably very close to zero. So now the government's saying, oh, we're going to lift that cap, and we're going to insure all deposits in banks. Even Now, what I'm saying here, then, is who has – who has more than $250,000 in these accounts? Who has a million or two or five or $10 million of savings account? It's big companies and, and millionaires and billionaires. So we're going to now have the taxpayer insure their accounts? Come on, this was supposed to – deposit insurance was to protect the, the mom and pop investor, not the, not the big guys. And so here we go again. We're creating these golden parachutes, folks. For the, for the super wealthy and the big corporations. And I'm not anti-business. You know that. I, I'm not against people getting rich. I want everybody to be rich. I just don't want be, people to become rich on the government's dime, on your and my dime. And that's what's happening in America. Now, I want to tell people something loud and clear before we go to our break. Your deposits in your bank, if you have less than $250,000 and probably even more, because now they're going to infinity, deposits in banks are safe. They're safe. Your money, your hard-earned money that you put into a deposit in a bank is safe. It is federally insured, and it will be paid. So I don't want people running off to the bank and taking every penny they've got out. I think that's a really bad idea. I don't want people jumping off the ledge of the buildings like they did in the Depression. That's not going to happen. But we need stricter standards about who's getting help from government, and it shouldn't be the rich and the politically influential. That's my lesson for the day. Okay, we'll be right back, folks. This is the More Money Show. This is WABC Talk Radio uh, on the number one radio station for talk radio in America. He's leading economist Steve Moore with More Money. Hey, it's Ryan and Bob Payne from Payne Capital Management. Of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E on More Money Today talking the markets, the economy, your retirement. And Bob, man, oh, man, there's not a dull moment on the street of dreams these days. I and mean, it's been more tumultuous than ever. You know, we've got bank failures. We've got fear of bank failures. Is the whole financial system coming to an end? I need to know, Bob. <laughs> well, Rod, you know what? If the, the markets seem like they're very volatile right now, you know why? Because they are. I mean, not just the stock market, <laughs> but the bond market. I mean, my goodness. You know, we had uh, all the pundits telling us that, uh, you know, the rates are going to keep going higher. Yields are going higher. Suddenly, 
you know, not only did the stock market get more volatile this week, but the bond market. I mean, that's a yield just dropped like a rock. Yeah, it really did. And, you know, this is one of our concerns is you know, we've seen a lot of investors say, well, I'm just going to lock all my money up into a one year treasury or a two year treasury bond paying five percent. Well, the two year treasury bond now is paying four percent. So you know, that reinvestment risk is real. Um, if rates keep coming down next year, rates could be a lot lower. So, you know, I think when you're thinking about your investment strategy and you're thinking about investing money, you want to win the, the war, not the battle. And you're already starting to see rates come down and they, they're coming down fast. Yeah, I mean, that's the, yeah, the inclination is whenever things get volatile, whenever there's uncertainty. And, and by the way, I spoke to a client the other day and he said, uh, yeah, I can't wait for more certain times. Right. Can you tell me any time since you've been in business where there's <laughs> been certainty when it comes to the economy or the markets? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's always uncertain. <laughs> you know, the future is, is always unpredictable and unknowable. Um, you're right. <laughs> it's, and as you say, Bob, you know, when things finally settle down, well, markets don't settle down. They settle up. So you, know, you really do have to take advantage of the fact that you have uncertainty right now. But I think the big question is, is this going to be very similar to the great financial crisis when we saw great pressure on our financial system? Or is this time around, or are things more secure? And I think that's what's on investors' minds right now. Yeah, and I think to sum it up, Brian, this time, it's really a liquidity crisis at some of these smaller banks. It's not a valuation crisis, right? We had all these subprime mortgages that were lent out. You know, we're on overvalued estimates of what properties were worth. It's totally different. Um, you know, but what's similar is the Federal Reserve and our government is screwing it up like they always do, right? This absolutely could have been avoided if they had just secured those deposits before the fact, not after the fact. Right. And then you had a big run on Silicon Valley Bank. You had a couple other banks go out, Signature Bank, which is local here in New York. Um, and the Silvergate Bank, which was in the crypto markets. But I think, I think the, the bigger picture is, Bob, you know, we're in a much more so secure position today. The banking system isn't going to fail. You know, the Fed has basically said they're back to stopping every deposit in the United States. I don't know how they do that. But I think, you know, any sort of risk of contagion um, or some sort of meltdown like we saw down back in the great financial crisis is probably not realistic. Yeah, because, you know, we, we do stress tests on the major banks, right? They have a stress test done every year. They're better capitalized or in better position than they've ever been. You know, right? when you look at, you know, when you have a credit crisis, right, it's, uh, you know, you, you look at what's happening with loans. And, you know, loans at banks as of last week were like $12.1 trillion. That's an all-time record high. There's no sign of a credit crunch, right? It's so the, the financial system is functioning. It's just that you got some of these people who don't, understand that number one you should get a return on your money you should get some yield on your cash and you should only have a quarter million in any one bank i mean it's like you know it's finance 101 yeah right right you have to protect yourself don't go over those limits you have the fdic limits but i think you know on top of that if we know the banking system is in relatively good shape like with something we've talked about all years the consumer is in very good shape and the consumer basically drives the economy here in the u.s um, we know the job market's hot. We added another 800,000 jobs this year so far. Wages are going up. But, you know, even more importantly, maybe as inflation is actually starting to come down, then, you know, with all the noise last week, no one's talking about the fact that we saw some of the inflation numbers come down a lot. And oil prices now are below $70 a barrel, which says that's like a big tax break for the American consumer. Well, you think of two things, right? You think that the two most expensive things in everybody's life is energy because everything is it's associated with energy, right? Your home, your car, you know, your groceries, 
everything, energy is a cost. So when there's a drop in the price of oil, it's a universal global tax cut for the global economy. And the other thing that, that has the biggest cost in your life are interest rates. And we just saw the, you know, the two year, inter, two years interest rates drop on the treasury from 5% two weeks ago, you know, down under 4%, almost three and a half percent. So that's another big tax cut, you know, for the global economy. So those two things are going to increase earnings, are going to increase productivity, going to increase profits, Rye. Just what happened last week. Yeah, no, no, that's exactly right. And, you know, at some point this year, China is slowly coming out of lockdown, which is another boon to the global economy because people in Europe, people in Japan, people in the U.S., we love to sell stuff to China. <laughs> and they're a huge <laughs> consumer. So, you know, you, you have all these catalysts that are actually positive when you get past all the noise. And crazy, Bob, you know, you would think last week with all the volatility that the market was actually down. Markets were actually up last week, <laughs> even, you know, in light of the fact that we had a banking crisis. So I, I think, you know, you're seeing a lot of volatility. It's probably a lot of volatility where the markets aren't really going anywhere. But if you look at the big picture and you look ahead, you know, economically speaking, you know, we're, we're actually in pretty good shape. And there's high odds that we're not going to have this big crash landing in the economy that you hear a lot of these, you know, media strategists and these economists talking about. It's highly unlikely based on what we're looking at. Yeah, because, you know, we've been talking about this the last couple of weeks on our show, whether it's going to be a hard landing, you know, a deep recession or a soft landing, you know, where you hardly feel it or no landing. You know, it's kind of like the Goldilocks scenario, right? Too hot, too cool, just right. Um, you know, that debate's been raging. And, you know, right now the Fed can take a victory lap, right? What they've been doing has been working. And any other time, right, when there's a cycle of increases where they're increasing interest rates, you know, it tenderly keeps going until something breaks. Well, when you have the two, two of the – three largest banks in history, you know, go bankrupt. I think that's something's broken. You know, I think the Fed can say, hey, you know, we can take a break now. We can let rates, you know, kind of do their job. I think that's that's pretty good. That's a pretty good indication of what may happen going forward. Yeah, it's going to be a big week this week to see what the Fed does. But high odds are you know, they may start to put their, let's say, you know, foot off the brake here a little bit and, uh, you know, stop raising interest rates at the high level that they've done over the course of the last year or so. And if you're thinking to yourself right now, like, okay, we get it, Bob and Ryan. The world is not going to end. It doesn't end very often, in fact. You know, I need to get on top of my investment plan. I need to get on top of my retirement plan. Well, here's a shot to do it. We leave 10 slots open over every show. If you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement, Bob and I will run for you our total financial master plan, and we'll do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review. We literally go through everything for you. There's no other firm out there that will do this work up front. We actually go as far as building you your own personalized financial portal. We'll get a bird's eye view of your entire financial picture, and we're just going to hone in on every financial issue you need to address today, whether it's an income plan for retirement. How do you draw from Social Security? How do you draw from your portfolio? How do you factor in inflation? Your costs are going to double over the next 20 years. We put together a full dynamic income plan to make sure you don't run out of money. We look at diversification. Markets have been extremely volatile. Did your portfolio go down way too much last year because you took way too much risk? Or are you sitting in cash, paralysis by analysis, trying to figure out what to do? We're going to put together a full investment game plan, show you how to grow your money, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. And we're going to look at fees and taxes. Wall Street just loves to sell you high-cost products. There's annuities, mutual funds, brokerage products, structured products. We're going to go through every investment you own, do a deep dive, show you where all the hidden costs are, show you how to reduce the cost and optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's not what you make, it's what you take. 
we're going to give you our full tax playbook. We have 10 slots if you've saved over a million dollars and you call or text us right now. All you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or you can just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. If you're one of our next 10 callers, you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement. Our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will create for you your own unique total financial master plan. Now, there's no obligation. There's no cost. But you won't have a plan if you're not one of our next 10 callers. So text right now, 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply give us a call at 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. So, Bob, you know, at our firm, Payne Capital Management, and, of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E, we have an office right here in New York City. We're outside Philadelphia. We have an office in Jacksonville, Florida. You know, we, we spend all of our time thinking about how to build a portfolio for retirement. And, you know, right now with the extreme amount of market volatility, which has been crazy, you know, a lot of you right now might just be second guessing. Do I have the right investment strategy? Do I double down on my investment strategy? Or is it time to reallocate and make some changes to my portfolio? You know, Ryan, that's really the biggest question that you have, right? When you, when I meet somebody new or I, I, I talk to a friend of mine and say, hey, how do you feel about risk? You know, what type of investor are you? Everybody says, you know, I'm kind of a moderate risk investor, right? I'm kind of risk adverse. But, you know, they're, they're just words. Uh, when I sit down and I go through their portfolio, what I find is 90% of every portfolio I've ever reviewed had more risk than necessary to achieve their financial goals. Does that blow your mind or what? Well, I mean, I think it's, like you always say, risk is known in hindsight, right? You don't know until after the fact that you had too much technology in your portfolio last year or maybe banking stocks today. And that's why when it comes to assessing risk in your portfolio, you need to be proactive, not reactive. You've got to put your portfolio into the stress test. And that's all we think about, right? It's like, what could go wrong here? You know, how can this get messed up? And I think most of us don't do that. We don't think about every scenario where your portfolio could be at risk. And you have to do that to secure your retirement. Well, that's the beauty of having a financial plan, a real financial plan, where you actually can do wealth projections, run the algorithms, run the projections to see, you know, what the impact is if X or Y happens, right? So it's not so much what can go wrong, but also what can I do to make make sure that things go right? And, you know, so you need that that confidence, you know, that allows you to handle the kind of volatility that we have right now. It's it's not a problem, right? It's This chaos is an opportunity. It is, um, but this is the time to reassess because you might not have the right portfolio and you might be thinking, well, everything's down right now. I'm just going to double down on what I have. I would say, stop, don't do that first. Make sure you first have the right underlying portfolio that's going to get you through retirement because we know the portfolio that you had when you were working, that wealth accumulation portfolio, when you have lots of years to make it up if you make bad decisions, well, you don't have that luxury when you're in the financial red zone. You know, If you're 10 years away from retirement or you're retired now, you can't mess it up. You've got to have a different portfolio. You've got to have a better risk-adjusted portfolio than you used to. Without a doubt, Ryan. And, and this is like the, a big poster, right, a big advertisement for don't speculate in individual companies, no matter how good that company is. I mean, you know, First Republic Bank gave you a great mortgage. They're nice people. But their stock just went down 70% in the last week. You never recover from that type of investment. You really don't. And the other area that you want to look at when it comes to your portfolio, and we run these analysis like every week for all the new clients coming to our firm, 
is the fees you're paying on your portfolio eat away at your returns. You talk about these annuities you might have been sold, these mutual funds, brokerage products. The thing about our business is they never show you where the fees are. They hide them, Bob. Um, but if you go through and you look at all those extra fees that these financial firms are charging you that you don't see, man, over your lifetime, that could be hundreds of thousands of dollars into the millions. So that compounding over time at a lower cost is critical. You have to know what you're paying all in on your portfolio, and you probably don't. You know, Ryan, it's not just Wall Street that does this. Take that your look, your local bank. A good client of mine, a good buddy of mine, he calls his bank the other day. He has three of them. And he says, hey, paying capital is giving me 4 to 5% on my cash. You're giving me 2 right? You know, what's up? <laughs> and, you know, it's like you guys are giving me 2% on my cash. That means you're charging me 200 basis points or 3% fee because if paying can give me 5 you can give me 5 You know, what are and you, they, a hedge fund can. all of a sudden? <laughs> well, and look, there's never going to be a banker, I promise you, that's going to call you and say, hey, we're paying you this low deposit rate. Why don't you move your money over here so we can get you a better rate on your money? It's never going to happen. So you really do have to be your own advocate here. And, of course, like right now, it's a big wake-up call with all these banks, you know, some going out of business, not having insurance, you know, making sure that your money is, number one, insured, but also you're actually getting a return. And you can get a real return on your money market amount, right? You couldn't get that a couple – six months ago, you couldn't get that, but now you can get 4% in a money market. That was unheard of for the last decade. So you've got to take advantage of it. You know, another problem I see, right, when you have a portfolio where you're over-concentrated in a certain sector or asset class because, you know, look how well it's done before, right? Past performance is indicative of nothing, right? So it's a big problem. <laughs> yes. Well, that's a great point because technology stocks did great the last decade, and now they've underperformed dramatically over the course of the last year or so. And Because we look back and we say, okay, what did the best over the last 10 years? Well, that's deceiving because everything's cyclical. And typically, the next 10 years aren't going to look like the last 10 years. So there is a really good argument for spreading your money out and not concentrate in any certain sectors. And the other problem is, Bob, you know, all these different funds you may own have different names, but they may all own the same underlying positions. So you got to be really careful. you got to look under the hood. It drives me crazy. I mean, it, the, uh, these total stock funds became very popular. As a matter of fact, it was always the S&P 500, but the total stock fund became the most popular fund in the world uh, over the last two or three years because it was overweighted in high-growth tech stocks, right? It wasn't a total stock fund. It was a tech stock yeah. you know, fund in drag, as you like to say. So you really have to look under the hood, and it's really not that difficult. It's not a matter – uh, being a financial genius, it's it's just being able to diversify, not you know live by that adage your parents taught you. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. You got to be able to look into the basket though, and that's the problem. Wall Street likes to hide that. Yeah, you need to have that X-ray to go through and see the underlying positions. Because if you have different accounts at different firms, they may own all these different funds that have different names, but they all may end up owning the same underlying investments. It's critical. We see it all the time. You know, the, the, other, the other issue is when it comes to risk is having too much risk or too little risk. And, you know, it might feel really safe right now to have a lot of your money in a money market fund and short-term treasury bonds or CDs. Well, over your lifetime, as inflation doubles, that's not enough risk to grow your money over inflation over time. So it's not about having too little risk or too much risk, but having the right amount of risk. You know, Rob, I've been telling my clients over the last couple of months, this is like the best time ever, right? You, you have the opportunity to buy stocks while they're volatile. You can get good prices. 
You can lock in good yields on bonds over an intermediate level. You don't have to go long term. Um, if cash, short term cash needs, you're getting a return for the first time in 15 years, right? You don't want an all or none strategy at any time, right? It sounds so, oh my God, I get 5% on a one year CD or one year treasury. Well, you know, your average return on that same investment in the last 10 years was zero, right? How are you going to achieve your goals? How do you overcome inflation with a 0% return? So it's, it's really, you know, you don't want to have too much risk. You don't want to have too little risk. You just have to have enough because the biggest tax, the biggest risk you have is inflation. That's the one risk we all have right now that you have to address every single year in your investment plan. Yeah, and if you're thinking to yourself right now, like, I've got to figure this out. i got to know what, what I'm paying on my investments. i got to make sure I have the right risk, and I'm taking the right around of risk where you know, I'm not going to have my portfolio just drop off a cliff tomorrow. Well, here's a shot to do it. We're down to four slots left. If you saved over a million dollars for your retirement, Bob and I will run for you our famous total financial master plan, and we'll do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review where we look at everything. We're going to look at income. We're going to figure out what income plan you need for retirement. How do you draw from your portfolio? How do you take Social Security? How do you factor in inflation is going to double over the next 20 years? You need an income plan for retirement. How are you going to draw from your portfolio? How are you going to take Social Security? Well, your costs are going to double over the next 20 years. You need a dynamic income plan. We're going to put that together for you so you don't run out of money. We're going to look at diversification. Did you get hit hard over the last year or so as markets have been extremely volatile? Did you have more risk in your portfolio than you thought? Or have you been sitting in cash, paralysis by analysis, trying to figure out what to do while, meanwhile, the clock is ticking? We're going to put together a full investment game plan, show you how to grow your money, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. And we're going to look at fees and taxes. Wall Street just loves to sell you those high-cost products and those annuities, mutual funds, brokerage products. We're going to do a deep dive of every investment you own. We're going to show you where all the hidden costs are in your portfolio, how to reduce those costs and optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's not what you make. It's what you take. We're going to give you our full tax playbook. We literally have four slots left if you saved over a million dollars for your retirement. All you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN. NYC. If you're one of our next four callers, you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement. Our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will create for you your own total financial master plan. Now, there's no cost, no strings attached, but you won't have a plan if you don't text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply give us a call at 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. NYC. Hey, hope you enjoy listening to Bob and I today. If you want to learn more about our firm, Payne Capital Management, that's P-A-Y-N-E, simply go to bbullish.com. That's bbullish.com. If you have any questions for Bob or myself, go to www.bbullish.com slash questions. Stay tuned. We got more, more money. He's leading economist Steve Moore with more money. This is Bob Payne, Chief Investment Strategist here at Payne Capital Management with this week's market update. This week on the Street of Dreams, in spite of heightened volatility and despite the down session on Friday, the S&P 500 advanced 1.43% this week. The NASDAQ composite gained 4.41% as investors bet on technology and other growth names ahead of next week's Federal Reserve policy meeting. It was the best week since January for the tech-heavy index. However, Friday's slide pulled the Dow into negative territory for the week, but only slightly. 
The sudden collapse recently of Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, the second and third largest bank failures in U.S. history, respectively, has sparked concerns that anxious customers could drain deposits from other small and mid-sized banks like First Republic, whose stock lost nearly 70% of its value over the past week. Now, these fears have rippled throughout the global financial markets, weighing on stocks and drumming up demand for safe haven investments like U.S. Treasury bonds. The yield on the two-year U.S. Treasury has dropped over 20% to 3.85% from a recent high yield of above 5 That stretch of trading included the two-year yield's largest one-day fall since 1982. Now, the yield volatility is a symptom of traders trying to handicap the path of central bank monetary policy from here, something that seems like an impossible task. Just over a week ago, Fed fund rate futures were pricing an implied 85% probability of the benchmark rate ending 2023 much higher. Today, expectations have shifted dramatically to a lower and closer peak, with the Fed cutting rates in the back half of the year. As for the FOMC committee's decision this week, Wednesday, the greatest odds implied by futures market leaned towards a 25 basis point increase and about a one-third likelihood of no change at all. Before the confidence crisis, the debate was over whether the FOMC would hike by a quarter or a half point. The latest inflation and other economic data argued for an increase, while the bank blowups suggest a pause may be prudent. What Jerome Powell will ultimately decide to do depends on what happens between now and then. In many ways, it will be a game day decision for him and the Fed. Meanwhile, for long-term investors like us, market chaos has created a smorgasbord of opportunity for investment. Stocks and bonds are reasonably priced with attractive yields, while the yield on cash is now close to 5%, up from no yield just one year ago. What blows my mind is the amount of money that was deposited at these recently failed banks that was not only unsecured, but earned zero interest. Only half of the $82 billion in deposits earned any interest at all, while nearly 94% of those deposits were uninsured. Why would any wealthy individual or company have that kind of unsecured exposure to one bank anyway? How could so many be so bad at simple cash management? I guess Gordon Gecko, you know, the character in the movie Wall Street from 1987, had it right when he said, A fool and his money are lucky enough to get together in the first place. Hey, my son Ryan and I, we have 70 years of combined industry experience of building low-cost, tax-efficient, gold-based portfolios. For your free evaluation, all you need to do is pick up the phone and call 844-752-6692 or text 844-752-6692 or just simply give us a call at 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. NYC. Hey, this is Bob Payne. I'm the Chief Investment Strategist of Payne Capital Management. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. He's leading economist Steve Moore with more money. Welcome back, folks. This is the More Money Show. I'm economist Steve Moore. This is WABC Talk Radio, the number one talk radio station in America. Thanks so much to the great John Katsimatidis for 
allowing me to do the show. It's really the highlight of my week, and uh, I hope you enjoy it, too. If you're a new listener, I hope you enjoy the show. And for our regular listeners, thank you so much. Our ratings are fantastic, and you make this radio program possible. So I want to turn to two of the experts on the economy and business. Uh, first, E.J. Antoni, who is a senior fellow at the Heritage Foundation and also works with me at the Committee to Unleash Prosperity, uh, is uh, one of the leading authorities on what is happening with our nation's finances. And then we have a real live, uh, incredibly successful small businessman who's turning into a medium-sized businessman who's turning into a big business uh, uh, businessman, and that is my great friend Gary, Gary Rabine. Uh, who built his business in uh, the great state, the once great state of Illinois, but now is a resident of Florida. Uh, gentlemen, thanks so much for joining. I want to get right down to it. First, uh, EJ, let's start with you. You sent me a chart yesterday showing uh, a massive increase in the balance sheet of the Fed, and the Federal Reserve uh, Bank, and uh, almost unprecedented amount of borrowing from banks and businesses from the Federal Reserve, and I find that to be very worrisome. Can you tell us, EJ, what is going on? Well, certainly, Steve, thanks for having me, and it is very worrisome because the Fed has allegedly been trying to reduce its balance sheet, right? And for months now, they have slowly been doing that, what's what's commonly called quantitative tightening, and literally in only a few days, in less than a week, they reversed half of that by adding $300 billion back to the balance sheet. And that is happening because the lending markets that banks use to lend and borrow to and from uh -huh. each other basically froze up several days ago. And there was this huge rush of businesses and banks needing cash, and they went to the Fed. And so just to make sure everybody understands what you're talking about, because this stuff at the Fed can be very complicated. So, first of all, we've had the Fed, uh, EJ, raising rates, I think, eight or nine times interest rates. To, and I believe the purpose of that was to pull some of all this excess money out of the economy so that we could get inflation under control. And now you're telling me that they're doing exactly the opposite? Right. And, and what it gets a little complicated. But one of the things we have to remember is that when banks borrow money from each other, you're not actually creating money, right? Money is right. just changing hands. But when right. you go and borrow from the Fed, that actually creates money because the Fed doesn't have any money. When they lend money to you, they just create it. And likewise, when you pay that money back, which again is what they were doing when they were lowering the balance sheet, when money gets paid back to the Fed, the money evaporates. It's gone. And so this is particularly worrying that after successfully reducing the amount of money for several months, they right. now undid half of that in only a few days. So before I get to Gary, so if I read those numbers in your chart correctly, and by the way, it looks like this was even more uh, of an increase in the balance sheet even than happened in 2008. We all remember that big crash in the economy. So this would seem to mean that we'll probably get more inflation, won't it? Right. That's, that's exactly right. The Fed now is going to have to struggle with trying to keep credit markets liquid, keep credit flowing, but also fighting inflation. They have set themselves up for a lose-lose scenario, and yeah, not just themselves. They've set up the nation. 
Gary Rabine, thanks for joining us uh, this afternoon. So I want, first of all, uh, Gary, you have run a, a successful kind of construction paving company that you started right out of, after graduating from high school. It's an amazing American success story. And you built that business, and now I think you're in multi-states. And, uh, and so have you ever run to the Federal Reserve Board for, for loans? I've never had that, uh, that, that <laughs> opportunity, right? I, we we yeah. basically try to work off our own money and a little bit a little bit of money from the banks, um, but but we try to stay away from the banks even as much as possible when you have the inconsistency we see today. Right. And so, uh, what do you make of this, Gary? I mean, the point I made in my opening statement on the show was that it just seems like when the federal Reserve and the federal government get involved in these bailouts. It's the little guy and the smaller businesses that get screwed. And, uh, you know, I'd love your take on this because it also seems to me that you kind of punish the successful businesses and you reward the failing businesses. Yeah, nobody's going to bail out. You know, I I started 42 years ago, as you said, out of high school with a couple thousand bucks and and knocking on doors in northern Illinois. And, you know, wow. we, we've never been able to get bailed. I'd have th- I've had three times in my career where I've been close, never claimed bankruptcy, but been close to bankrupt uh, in my life. And we've got through it. We've got through it with a lot of grit. Right. But I got to tell you, there is nobody that's going to bail me out. And, and I don't expect right. that. In, in, in this free market society we have, don't expect to be bailed out. Expect to be successful with, 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 as you take good, uh, educated risk. And that's what we do. And so you've never actually had to run to the federal government for a bailout. No, you know what? Um, we 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 work. We, okay, I'll go back to a couple of years ago, right? When when the government told us to shut down our businesses or made us shut down our businesses, and, right? Uh, you know, and we we were told if you keep people working, that you'll get you'll get you'll get compensated for that that labor that you keep working. Well, we right. as much as I did not want to do that because it's not the right thing to do, we had to do it, or our competition would hire our best employees. So we did, and right. we did get to be honest, We got a bailout then. And and not, not that and I didn't want to take it, but my team said you're, you're stupid right. if we don't take it because our right. competition will and they'll get a heads up right. on us, which is had to take it. Um, so that, yeah, that, so that, they had sort of incentivize me. they incentivize businesses to take money because they want the government to have its claws and everything. Uh, Gary, uh, one other point uh, before I turn back to EJ, uh, you built that business in outside uh, in the Chicagoland area. And it is now in multi-states, and it's been incredibly successful. I'm so proud of you. You were you have moved your business out of Illinois now. You're you're in Florida now. No, so here, here we we built our business in Illinois first. It took me 20 years to really to be able to pay parking lots everywhere in Illinois. Today we pay parking lots in all 50 states. So we've right. grown from a, a very local company to a national company. Um, right. One of the, one of the first in this space doing what we do. But I got to tell you, now I'm buying companies. My goal is to acquire mom and pop companies and teach them how to go from being ditch diggers, like I, as I started, to CEOs that run nice companies. So my, my, my job today is finding great mom and pops across America and growing them to be real companies, 40, 50, 60 million in revenues from, from five or 10 million in revenues. And, and guess what? We won't do that in, in states like Illinois. And, and, and what people miss, and people don't say, we can talk about the highest taxes in the country in Illinois. We can talk about the highest regulation, the worst union environment in the country now, okay, with what right. they've done lately. Okay, we can talk about all of you know, terrible schools, right, most expensive yeah. schools with, the, with the, were the worst results, okay? We can talk about right. all those things. But here's the facts. What, those things ca- what that causes for business is this. When I look at my paving company in Texas and my paving company in Illinois, my, my uh-huh. paving company in Texas is only three years old, okay? 
the value, if they both make the same profit, the value of that company in Texas is 100% higher than the company in Illinois. Okay, that's, wow. that, goes, that goes for Florida, Tennessee. Wait, 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 wait. hold on, Jerry. Why is yeah. that? Why is it that your you that 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 difference is a hundred percent? What what accounts for that? So as I grow my businesses, Steve, I teach all our CEOs and presidents of these little companies to big companies that the, the thing they have to be concerned with is their enterprise value of the business. If they don't right. increase the enterprise value of the business, they're no good to me, right? If they're, if they're just growing business to make a big profit, but they don't have good customers, it doesn't matter to me. If they're, if they're growing right. the business to create enterprise value, that's great for me and them and everybody, and our customers also. But here, in Illinois, a business that makes, let's just say, a million dollars in profit compared to a business in, in Florida, Tennessee, or Texas that makes a million dollars of profit will be worth 100% more in those in those red states than the blue state like 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 Illinois. People won't but don't don't want to buy businesses in a state where the gut where the state is so abusive to, right. to, to any any money you make. So, uh, uh, EJ, um, the uh, the Treasury Secretary um, Janet Yellen is saying that these bailouts won't cost the taxpayer a penny, which I find to be laughable, and they're saying this is not a bailout. Uh, what we've done with these banks. And uh, how do you respond to that? Well, I would love to know how anytime the government spends money, which is by definition taxpayer money, that it's not going to cost the taxpayer. I mean, this is just so silly. And the idea that because the FDIC charges fees to banks, that that is somehow going to cover everything. What do you think the bank does with those fees? They pass them on to consumers. And what's really funny is when you consider the fact that about half the people in the country don't pay income taxes, right? The the lower income stratas don't pay anything. In fact, a lot of them get money back. And then you look at where these bank fees actually go. They typically go to people in lower incomes. For example, who is more likely to have to pay an overdraft fee at their bank? A millionaire or a single mom? <laughs> Great right? point. So you end up actually ch- passing these fees disproportionately on to lower income people. So, so much for not raising taxes on people earning less than $400,000 a year. And I mean, how, how, else, how else would you define this other than a bailout? A private business <laughs> messed up. They didn't even have a risk officer for the better part right. of the last year, for right. example, at SVB. And now public money is going to pay to, to fix a private mistake. Uh, what would you call that other than a bailout? These are the same people. Yeah. They think they can redefine bailout. They think they can redefine recession. It's ridiculous. Yeah, they can, and they can redefine mostly, mostly peaceful and all these terms. Uh, Gary, uh, swinging back to you, that way Gary Rabine uh, is one of the most successful small businessmen in America and uh, has moved his business out of Illinois into Florida. So, Gary, you have become a millionaire and billionaire. You're one of these evil people, according to uh, Joe Biden, uh, that isn't paying his fair share. I'm just repeating what Joe Biden said last week. We want you know people like you to pay more taxes. And it seems to me, I wrote a column on this last week saying this, what we're really seeing out of Biden is a, I called it a declaration of war against small businesses in America. And how do you, how would you respond to what Joe Biden says when he says people like you aren't paying your fair share? Yeah. So, you know, I'm, we are S corps and LLCs. We're not C corporations. Number one, we have one business that may a technology company that may become a C corporation, but C corporations are double tax. Number one, if you, if you're, if you own the company, 
uh, you're taxed as a C corp, and then you're taxed as an individual, so it's even more. As, as a small business, S, S corps and LLCs, we're taxed individually, and and our taxes, we're, we we have to make. You know, we, we're paying about 40 percent, 45 percent even in, 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 on, on income tax wow. when we look at wow. income tax. When you look at state, depending on where you live, state and, and federal. Now, I've not moved my businesses yet, Steve, to Florida. I'm, I'm moving. I, I've got some moving out of Illinois, but not to Florida yet. I, it, there, right. will, there will be some moving to Florida. I personally moved to Florida recently. It's my first step. And that's the first step in leaving your state. You, you, you move yourself first. And, that, and then you start figuring out what businesses can move to that free state. But, but what, I'm, what I'm saying is this: what, what the declaration that that you know that, he, that he's uh, uh, got against businesses, what, what, what this this threat or this war against business that he's got going on, um, is being taken advantage of by the by the left. But really, they're stupid. They, states like Illinois are are going are to be in these huge holes. They already are. Okay, yeah. Illinois is the, yeah. that the most debt, the most pension debt in the country by far, and they're not the biggest state as we all know. So states like Illinois are, are going down the down into the gutter in the gutter in a big way, and and they they assume that the federal government is eventually going to bail their bail them out. Okay, I hope that yeah. never happens because it's the same Me thing that, that we see we see now, right? The federal government bailing out stupidity. But yeah. either way, bottom line is, hey, we're 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 going to reward the red states. And my when I I'm going to buy 20 to 30 small companies in the next seven years. Now we're not a billionaire billionaire brand yet. Our goal is to be a billion a billion dollar we're brand within there. seven years. And we're going to get there, but we're going to get there by taking all the, the great states—Tennessee, you know, Georgia, uh, Florida, Texas—and we're going to we're going to grow mom and pops in those marketplaces awesome. where this where, where we have a rewarding uh, free 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 market. Yeah. So uh, I would imagine, Gary, and I've known you for a long time. I mean, given how successful your business has grown, you, you, when you account for what you pay in taxes, what your company pays in taxes, what your employees pay in taxes. You're probably paying millions of dollars in taxes every year. Well, it, um, it, it's, it's 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 tens of millions. It's actually it's actually probably wow. today on, on 250 million dollars of revenues. Uh, when we look at all the taxes we pay, it's it's near 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 100 million dollars oh of God. tax, and that's after all the all the equipment wow. you have to buy, the, the materials oh you have to God. buy, all the other things, yeah. right? Well, you know what, Gary. I think that Joe Biden still thinks you don't pay your fair share of taxes. That's how crazy and outrageous this is. Okay, we've only got a minute or two left, uh, gentlemen, and, and I'll just end with you, EJ. Uh, we've, got, we've literally got 60 seconds left. How much trouble would you say the American economy is right now? Uh, are we headed to, uh, you know, a 2008 crash? Is Are we headed to a recession? What is your best guess? Oh, we're, we're definitely in a lot of trouble. The question is going to be, what does the Federal Reserve do? If the Federal Reserve does what they should, which is allow the free market to settle things out, we are going to have right. a bad crash, but then we can recover quickly. But right. if the Federal Reserve keeps stepping in and trying to save everything, then we're just going to have a prolonged period of slow growth combined with more inflation. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Gary Rabine, uh, you're a great friend and a great friend of workers and a great friend of this country. Thank you for building your business into such a success. E.J. Antoni, one of the top economic analysts in the country from the Committee to Unleash Prosperity and Heritage Foundation. Thank, Thank you, guys. Steve. He's leading economist Steve Moore with more money.